The PM Growth Experts podcast show is hosted by Darren Hunter and Dennis Youssef from Inspired Growth Training, who work with PM Growth Experts from around the globe. If you're signing up 20 to 30 managements a month, that's great. If not, speak with us. Hi, everyone. Darren Hunter here, and we are with Dennis Youssef. We are Inspired Growth Training, and today we have a really special show for you. Don't forget also, this video recording is available on iTunes podcast and also Podbean for the Android users out there. Just dial up the PM Growth Expert Show. Listen to the car between appointments. But today we have the one and only Sophie Lyon. Now, Sophie has nearly 30 years' experience in property management. Sophie when she was five. That's quite an achievement. Quite an achievement. And um, Sophie is seen as a general in property management. She's one of those people that is very, very well known, particularly in, in Victorian property management. Today, we're going to talk about acquisitions and buying property management businesses. Now, I just want to get some terminology out of the way because we've got um, listeners from Australia, New Zealand, and the United States, when we use the word rent roll, that also means portfolio as well, or group of managements, or you know, rental properties that we've purchased. So that's the terminology we're going to be using today. But before we get into asking Sophie a lot of questions we've got lined up, um, we want to talk about our sponsor. Um, our exclusive um, sponsor partners, which is EVM Landlord Insurance. Now, look, we've said it before, you need to make sure your owners have quality landlord insurance on board, not just landlord insurance. And one of the great things about EVM Landlord Insurance is their pet damage cover. Now, Sophie, you've got a very big uh, uh, rent roll or company that you're dealing with there. Now, um, Sophie, you've been, you dealt, you told me before you dealt with a pet claim issue with EVM um, and they settled it for you. What was, what, what happened there? Uh, the tenants had a dog in the property that they weren't supposed to have, um, used to allow the dog into the house quite regularly. Um, and it, decided that it would chew the bottom of all the cupboards in the kitchen. Um, so they were completely ruined and EBM absolutely supported the owner um, and got the whole thing rectified. Absolutely wow. no mess, no fuss, really easy. So tenant didn't have the dog approved, so it was already against the lease and possibly the most expensive part of the house, the kitchen. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And you see, we've got to be careful because pep damage is a, is a, a very common exclusion on just about every other insurance cover out there. So you need yep. to make sure you're not only got landlord insurance, but quality protection that has the pet damage worked in, particularly in this day and age where I've learned over the years, people don't have dogs and cats anymore. They've got fur babies and they come inside. So, uh, you know, well done. And, and thanks again to EBM Landlord Insurance for wrapping that <laughs> one up quickly. But let, let's get started and let's start this journey. Actually, firstly, Dennis, over to you. Appreciate your time, Darren. So, um, Sophie, my time. What about Sophie's time? <laughs> no, no, your your no, time at the your time at the beginning. You know, um, you, you're a great radio person. It's, it's awesome. You, I'm glad you do all the sponsors stuff in the intros. But um, Thank you, Darren. It, it's an absolute pleasure having you, Sophie. So, um, you know, I first met you at a conference, seeing you stand up and and present, and, and you were actually one of the first officers I actually. Um, visited 
in the first year when I started consulting. So um, it's awesome to be able to have you on the show. That's like nearly six years ago, would you believe? It's quite yeah. crazy to think. It's actually possibly exactly six years ago. Um, oh, really? So, oh, there yeah, you go. yeah, it was about July. It was. There you go. July 2013. It was. My first Happy anniversary. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's awesome. So it, it's it's awesome to have you on the show. We've had you um, present at Inspired Growth the conference as well, and we've got you speaking this year as well, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. So because you've got so much to give, um, which is awesome. Thanks. Now, why did you join real estate, Darren? just said earlier that you started real estate when you were five years of age. Yeah, um, five. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. you know, 30 years of experience. That's pretty awesome. What, what, like, not too many people wake up at school and go, oh, I'm going to become a real estate agent. You no. must have done. You must have been one of them. No. You absolutely were. not. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school. So my parents um, very kindly sent me off to do a receptionist course. Um, came out of the receptionist course and was looking for a job. So back in back in those days, there was this thing called a newspaper and you used to look in the newspaper for job ads. Um, I found one in there that wasn't too far away from home that was a receptionist for a real estate company. I went for the job. It was offered to me on the spot. I just assumed that if someone offered you a job on the spot, you took it. Um, and I actually didn't even realise that I had to work Saturdays. Um, so I worked every Saturday um, from nine to 12. Um, and I still maintain that if they had actually told me that bit, I probably wouldn't have taken the job. Um, but, and then the, the rest is history. So a very small company in Caulfield in Victoria, which isn't there anymore, um, run by a wonderful man named A.B. Weiser. And um, yeah, here we go. I think a lot of, um, you know, people could resonate in, they don't want to tell anyone applying for a property management or a real estate position, the truth behind it or no one would apply. So, <laughs> you know, very smart of him to, um, and you need to be grateful that he didn't tell you about the Saturdays because I mean, the achievements that you've, yep. you know, you've been through is just absolutely phenomenal. So, I mean, you've worked for some of the, um, the largest, you know, privately owned agencies in Australia and, um, you know, Jealous Craig, where you are now, it's, mm. you know, you've um, certainly kicking some serious goals there. So, um, if you were to go back to when you first started in real estate, now I understand it's that reception position, but maybe when you first got into that property management position, you know, what advice would you give yourself going into work on that first day, you know, knowing what you know now? Um, probably to enjoy the ride a little bit more. I probably took it all a bit too seriously in the beginning. Um, and uh, probably beat myself up a little bit too much about things that maybe didn't exactly go the way that I wanted them to go. Um, but it's it, real estate has been so amazingly good to me and it's been such a great, um, enjoyable career um, that I, I would not say anything to discourage myself from pursuing it, most definitely. Um, and actually, there's very, very little about my career over the years that I would change. So um, other than, you know, just don't sweat the small stuff so much, uh, that'd probably be it. Yeah, well, they certainly, you know, whatever the rough times are, certainly prepares us and moulds us into who we are today. You yep. know, it hurts sometimes, you know, as real estate does do. But, you know, we tend to forget there's so many joys and, and goodness in real estate as well. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how the three of us met, right, was at a, at a conference that's, yep. you know, 
Um, so, you know, the connections that you get through real estate is just phenomenal. You know, sometimes we only look at the small, but um, yeah, uh, you certainly do lead the way in the industry and um, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your position and your office now, what, what you're doing in, in your market. Uh, then in Jealous Craig, you mean what yep. I'm doing? Yeah. So um, I head up the property management division of the Burundara Group. Um, so we've got three offices in Hawthorne, Glen Iris and Baldwin. Um, got just under 3,000 properties under management. Uh, I've got a team of about 34. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, I guess. Um, but my role is basically to oversee it. It's, it's strategy. It's, um, you know, where to from here, um, long-term vision stuff, um, developing people, developing the team. Um, yeah, just enjoying what I do, really. Brilliant. Cool. All right. Um, just so let, let's just move the questioning now, Sophie, to uh, rent roll acquisition or buying rent rolls. Now, you've told mm -hmm. me that in your career you've been involved with about twelve rent roll acquisitions, um, totaling around about two and a half thousand properties. And the largest rent roll or portfolio that you've been involved with the purchase was 850 at one time, which is quite a mean feat. So we're going to just break these questions down into three key areas. Number one, buying a rent roll, what to look out for, some of the tips and tricks there. Also, we're then going to move to due diligence and the importance of that and then get into settlement time. Now we've got the portfolio on board and just bedding it down on some of the key issues there. And one thing I want to say to everybody, I've been involved myself in 16 rent roll acquisitions. Um, they can be uh, an amazing learning curve for anyone with a career in property management. They can very much break you very quickly if it's done wrong um, yeah. and can cause all sorts of problems and chaos. And each one has a, a different, different degree of difficulty and a new learning curve every time. Um, yeah. I would say probably one, maybe two out of the 16 that I dealt with were generally pretty easy. Um, but the rest were quite difficult. So let's just go through your journey. And I think this podcast is going to be great for anyone that's considering taking on and buying a rent roll at the moment. Certainly in Australia, there's a lot of principals retiring um, and there's a lot of acquisitions going on. So, okay, let, let's talk about, okay, you're you're ready to go, you want to get some growth, but you're going to go out and buy a rent roll. You're aware of a rent roll that's in a market area. You know, what, what are the sort of things that we need to be looking out for, um, uh, Sophie? You know, you, you've mentioned here that, um, you know, uh, uh, the high priced rent roll and the badly priced rent roll. Help us with that. What are some of the learning curves you've had? Um, there, there's benefits to both. I don't think that anyone should be scared of taking on a rent roll that has been poorly maintained or, um, you know, that the property manager disappeared a few years before and the principal's been trying to keep it running, keep it running and really hasn't been able to. Um, they, they can actually deliver um, quite quite good benefits into your company um, because if they haven't been communicated with, they haven't been looked after, it's actually quite an easy step to bring those clients back around because they've got such low expectations of the management that they have at the moment that if you come in and start communicating with them and start delivering to what you think is a perfectly normal standard, for them that may be far and away above what they've experienced before. Um, and so straight away you, you've, you've bedded in that loyalty from that client because they can see that, that you're better at what 
they have experienced previously. So you really um, got to have a look at and see how well have these owners been looked after. And I absolutely yeah. agree that if your standards are here and your, your, your level of customer service is here, but that particular business has had the standards here and the owners are used to that going from here to here is a good thing, but it's not good the other way around. That's also what I've seen. A lot no. of damage has occurred where the, the new purchaser has not been able to maintain the customer service levels and communication points and the owners have been disappointed and that's re resulted in a lot of loss as well. Mm -hmm. it's, I it's suppose. Absolutely. That's that's the way you've got to weigh one up against the other and probably look at the, the synergies of the business and where you feel that you can actually deliver um, better or equivalent to the agent that you're taking over. If it's an extremely well-run um, business and therefore you're paying at the top of top price range, you want to make sure that your retention is going to be really good because otherwise it's just wasted money. You're just losing it straight out the door. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. And I suppose the reason why a person's selling as well, someone retiring or someone not coping, is two different things to look out for. Yep. Absolutely. You know, retiring, it could be a great, you know, great systems in place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, yep. Or, or <laughs> property management has retired them. You know. So yes. uh, certainly, you know, you got to look at all things, don't you? So let's talk about staffing issues as well. So um, at this stage, you may, you know, the owner has said, hey, look, I've got some staff that I want to bring over with the purchase or, you know, share your experience there, Sophie, in assessing staff. Well, it's not just whether they're good at what they do, it's whether they're going to fit into your culture as well. Um, especially coming from a small company, what I have seen um, in the past is people coming from small companies who are very used to doing things the way that they want to do them. So if they're a one or a two man band, um, that they'll have their own processes, procedures, they'll do things the way that they want to do them. They come mm. into an organisation like ours, which is a relatively big machine, and we start saying to them, oh no, you don't do that, that person over there does that. You don't do that, that gets processed automatically. Um, and they struggle with that because suddenly they're being moved into an environment where they, they feel like they've lost a bit of control. Um, so that can be quite a delicate one to be able to transition people through. Um, so that's definitely something to bear in mind when you're bringing people over and have a really good open discussion with the staff beforehand about this is the way that we work, this is how we do things and make sure that they're comfortable with that transition. Because if they're not, then they're better off moving out before the properties come over rather than coming over, be here for three months and then go, no, this isn't working for me. And all the way along, we said to the clients, no, 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 it's okay. Jane's going to be here. Jane's going to be here. Jane's going to be here. Jane's not here. Another question too is uh, reason for selling. You know, at this stage, you know, you've likely been told or you're aware of their reason for selling. What are some reasons you really need to pay attention to and, and, be, have, and use caution with? Uh, I think... The retirement one is probably, as Dennis said, probably one of the easier ones because that's an easy communication to have with the with the um, the clients that this is the reason this is happening. Um, I think possibly one of the ones to watch out for would be, and at the moment this is something that's happening in Victoria, that um, a lot of uh, agency principals are choosing to sell their rent rolls because the market has been going very badly down here for you know quite a decent period of time. Um, so the logic is to get a cash injection into the company and then you'll worry about building up the rent roll later. Um, mm. That 
that's always a hesitation on my part because if that's the reason they're not actually going out of business, they're not stopping trading, they're just selling off the rent roll. So if there's some degree of relationship there, there's a possibility that that may loop back around and go back to that organisation. Yeah, so you'll lose clients because they just drift back in some way back to the people that they're familiar with. and, and Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another one that we got, um, I got caught out with in, in the past was um, the principal was selling. He was selling to um, a couple of the salespeople. Um, so he sold off the rent roll. The, the salespeople still had the relationship with a lot of those clients because they put them onto the rent roll in the first place. Because the company then changed hands, we had no recourse against that company because when you are buying a property and there's due diligence and contractual obligations around not poaching, that was a completely mm. different company that had now been set up, different company name, et cetera, et cetera. So we actually had no protection um, around those properties then being poached You couldn't back put any restraints in place against those people. But the restraint didn't apply to them. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting that's pitfall there. Very interesting, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, moving on. So, okay, and now let's talk about, you know, how important is due diligence, Sophie? And, and you've got a lot of years of experience. You said you go and do your own. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's my preference to go in because I know, um, I know what to look for and I know what to look for quite quickly. Um, and I always prefer to go in and actually look at the physical files and go into the physical environment where those files are kept, rummage around in filing cabinets, in, um, you know, credenzas, whatever it might be. Um, and actually go looking for that information rather than rely on um, companies who say, oh, look, I'll bring you 30 files and you can go through those files. Well, they'll bring you 30 files that they know are well put together. They know the documentation's all in there. Um, I prefer to go and, you know, have a bit of a look through and pull out the fattest file and also the absolute skinniest file um, and then go looking in their system as well. So, um, you know, into their drives and finding um, all the authorities that they've got um, which ones are missing. There's, there's a lot that you find um, if, if you are the person who requests to be in control of that due diligence. So how long would you spend typically on a due diligence and time? Depending on the size of the portfolio, but um, I mean, I've, I've been in people's offices at like seven o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, um, going in six o'clock at night after the team have gone because they obviously don't want to communicate that to the team yet. Um, I've been on, on, in on Sundays, all kinds of things. So it's um, sometimes you've got to jam it into a two-hour window um, and, you know, you, therefore you might have to go back a couple of times. Sometimes, you know, I've been there for half a day. Yeah, and I remember being called in for due diligence and I had to disguise it as a business health check. And so I came oh, in as the uh -huh. consultant doing a business health check and uh, we, we got around that one pretty well. Um, that was, you said disguise. That, I thought you were going to say you had to disguise yourself and I thought, oh my no, God. No, no, no. I was, was there to do a business health check and you quite frankly, oh, you can easily disguise the due diligence as a business health check. Okay. Uh, you ask the right questions. So, it, okay. It's, um, it's more fun to picture you in a moustache and like a, you know, a, a wig or something. But yeah. Anyway, now, when I did due diligence, it would take me around about 
six to check six files per hour if they weren't in good condition, really messy ones that yeah. people just throw stuff in. And this is back in the day of everything was paper, but yeah. it would take me around about 10 files an hour if they were generally pretty clean. Yeah. And so um, I would do a sample of, let's say it was a 100, 200 property rent roll. I would probably look at 10 at most 20 files mm -hmm. and let the client know that I'm doing a sample and so forth. But, you know, how far would you go with your file audit? How far would you go? Because I know you can read a lot in those files. Those files tell you a lot about the staff, the quality of staff, what's gone on, levels of accuracy, attitudes of the team, all of those sort of things. But how far would you go with your file audits? Uh, you always want to look at the authorities. You want to make sure that the owner's instruction forms are there. Um, you want to um, have a look at the, um, the physical copy of the condition report. Um, if there is one in the file, if not, then you need to go and look for it, the electronic one. Um, so routine inspections is another one. Whether the lease agreement is in there, whether it's current, uh, when the last rent increases were done. A rent increases is actually a good one. If you can find a business that hasn't done rent increases, that's actually good because straight away you can increase the rents and it gives you your business value. Rent. So the business value as well. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that would be the, the big rocks that you want to look for, um, mm. but very much around the documentation and making sure the documentation is current. Um, the other thing in Victoria, it may not apply to, um, well, it's definitely not going to apply to the United States, but um, making sure that the authorities that are signed actually have the novation clause because um, that dropped off the Victorian authorities for a few years. So you can actually novate authorities over in Victoria rather than having to go back and redo the authority completely. So as um, in you can assign the authorities to the new company as opposed right. to getting all the owners to sign a whole new management authority yep. right on settlement. I know it, different states, different rules. So yeah. good to know that. Okay. Um, all right. Now, okay, let's say we got 200 properties are bringing over. How many of those files would you check? Hmm. 30 to 50. Yeah, a good sample. Yeah. Yeah, and a cross section, big ones, yep. fat ones, thin ones, just a random section across. Okay, that's cool. Yep. Alrighty, and um, all right, let, so what are some um, big questions that you do want to eyeball people with and sit down and what are those serious questions that you've got for the business owner or the key person that you want to know at the due diligence? What's really important? Um, you really want to talk to them about the quality of the owners um, and just finding out whether there are any owners in there that you really don't want. You're paying for an owner, you're stuck with them for a number of years. Tenants come and go. Um, I'm not going to say the word that I said before. You guys can say it. <laughs> I just can't bring myself to say it on a podcast. Um, it, Sophie but, uh, said you've got to look out for the assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and let's be serious. Difficult owners are difficult all around. And, and you know, um, but what about also multi-property owners as well? You know, the owner with the 30, the 40, the 50 properties, all of those sort of things and asking questions around that, Sophie. Yeah, well, you definitely want to know who the bigger owners are um, and they're the people that you need to get in front of. Um, in all honesty, even if they're overseas, I would be trying really hard to physically get in front of those people or at least do this kind of interaction with them um, mm. because they're the sort of people that it's... Um, it's a, it's a business for them. So it's in most of the environments, it's a business, um, but they may also have very tight relationships with the existing staff. And so that transition can be very difficult. Um, so they're, they're definitely the ones that you want to get in front of and build up the, the love with very, very quickly. 
Mm. Um, also, I think with the ownership side of things, you want to find out whether there's properties that are owned by family or friends or staff in there. Mm. Mm. Um, because if the staff own the properties and then you're paying for those to come over and then the staff leave, you've, you've immediately lost, um, lost that money. So you yep. really want to make sure that you ask those questions. Um, if there are properties that are poorly maintained, uh, you want to know about that because you want to make the decision as to whether you do actually want to take those properties over or not. Um, and you do have the discretion to pick and choose. A lot of people will say, no, no, you take the whole lot or you don't take it at all. Um, if there's three properties in there that you don't want to take and the whole deal is going to fall over because of it, generally you'll be able to work around that in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Right. Um, also, if there's VCAT stuff coming yeah. up, the um, pending hearings and, and complaints. Yes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about difficult situations that could be, you know, just bubbling away. You know, how do you ask those sort of questions? Just ask it straight out. I think, you know, as, as you said before, sitting down and eyeballing people, um, mm. I think there's a there's a lot of face-to-face -face meetings. You can tell I'm a very face-to-face -face person, um, but that's, that's what you need to do in these sort of scenarios because it's difficult for people to be false with you if they're sitting right in front of you um, as opposed to just asking them questions on a check sheet and they go, oh, yeah, no, 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 oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. So I eyeball them and say, I want to know about outstanding issues. I want to yep. know about outstanding complaints, possible outstanding or possible litigation that we're going to have to yep. deal with. What about negligence or payouts that have to be done? Yep. All of those yes. sort of things that are the loose ends that are still not tied that are going to come over on mm -hmm. settlement. Yep. Okay, so if you were to go to, if there was a, a hearing that was coming up in, let's say, two or three weeks or something, and, you know, uh, do, does that property then come off the purchase? What what happens? What's the process? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's purely just so you know what's, what's happening. Um, yes. so, I mean, there's always going to be VCAP hearings going on within any portfolio mm. at any given time. I mean, that's just, you know, that's logical. Um, mm. But it's the sort of stuff, though, is it, is it the tenant taking the landlord and in, that, in turn is that landlord going to try and push that back onto the agent in some way? Um, mm. You know, we've, we've seen that happen over the years that the agent's the one that actually... Um, perhaps was they dropped the ball for whatever reason and so the only way that the tenant has recourse is to make the claim against the owner and then the owner is going to bring it back around. Sure. Um, so those things you need to make sure that you are aware of um, and that there's some allowance provided for um, either in the contract or making sure that the, um, the professional liability insurance is maintained by um, by the outgoing principal. So if anything does come up over the following years, that they're actually you have recourse to be able to go back and claim that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the fees uh, and looking. What are you looking for when you're checking out the the fees that they charge? Um, a fee is good, uh, as opposed to <laughs> like a. It helps. You're looking it helps. for. Well, I know of agencies where there's no there's no advertising charges. There's no marketing charges to their owners. So. I know as a fee maximizer, and that's my forte, I have to wait a whole 12 months and carry all of those fees. Yeah. And just be aware, you're going to have to, you have to wear them and finance and carry that through to a point where you've got the trust and then you can be asking owners for more. Yeah, then you can start pushing it forward. Um, in Victoria, again, at the moment, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little bit Victoria um, parochial, but um, there's there's a tendency at the moment, there's a couple of agencies down here who are going in with, with three, six or 12 months commission free in order to get the, wow. the business on. 
Um, so, you know, that's something that you need to be aware of as well, making sure that there isn't a whole lot of properties that are sitting in there that you're actually not going to get any income for. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Look, I was um, part, when I was at Integrity Real Estate, they purchased 12 managements um, from a company. Um, apparently, our company had a good BDM that was taking a lot of business for them and they only had 12 left, so they decided to sell them. Right. Um, I don't know who that was, but anyway, um, I was at a property and I was pitching for the business and the owner rang me up um, the next day and said, look, uh, I'm signing with the said company and um, because they, they told me you guys are buying it anyway. Now, I wasn't aware as the BDM of this particular purchase that was going on and the, um, the other company had low-balled the fees, right, just to win the business, to get that sale over the line. So I went to my boss and said, A, why didn't you tell me about this? And B, this is what's happened. So my boss CC'd me in an email to the other company that they were purchasing from and said, um, you actually told um, the owner that we would be managing it anyway and lowered the fees just so you know, if you do sign it, we won't be buying it. So, mm. you know, I, I mean, they're things that you need to be aware of as, as well. Yeah. Like, you know. Dirty so, tricks. Fascinating. Yeah. So if you let, let's talk about due diligence again and staff. You know, mm -hmm. now, you, okay, you might be bringing some staff over. What are some things you're looking out for? Uh, oh, well, touching on that like we did before, making sure that they're, that they're a good culture fit um, and that they will adjust to the different environment that you're in. Um, there have, I have been um, part, of a, a due deal, well, a part of a sale before where the staff were actually incentivised to stay on for um, the retention period by the, the seller of the rent roll. Um, and they, they got um, a benefit at the end because they actually managed to keep the retention extremely high, um, mm. which was good. It was a great thing. But um, at the end of that, that three or four month period, they both exited the business and that was always their intention to exit our business. Um, but we weren't made aware of that. So if, if you are going to incentivise people to stay on, I think it's better to be open and honest about that with the client. Um, because otherwise I'm sending one message as the, as the new owner of, their, of the rent roll um, saying, well, yes, absolutely, Jane's going to be here. It's all great. You know, she's fitting in really well. And then all of a sudden Jane's disappeared. And the client straight away think that somehow you've been dishonest because you knew that all the way through. Um, or there's a particular reason why Jane's gone. Why is Jane gone? I'm going to follow Jane. Jane's gone down around the corner. Um, and there's nothing that we can do to prevent a client going um, mm. with another property manager after we've settled. So that's not a good outcome for anybody. Um, so to my mind, I would actually prefer to know if the property managers aren't intending to stay on beyond that. Um, and then the story can be very different that you're telling the clients. Yeah. yeah. So and what, you what also said about family, but what about friends or best friends that own um, some of the rental properties as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know. It's that whole relationship piece, you know, how, yeah. who, who are you related to? Who are you friends with? Who, you know, why are these clients here? Um, mm. I mean, I've got clients that I've been dealing with for a number of years who've come with me when I've moved from company to company. Um, so that's a question that I ask because that's my own personal situation. So is that sitting in that rent role as well, that a property manager's come from, you know, that agency to, to the one that you're buying? But they've had clients follow them because, of course, they're yeah. going to, them Same again. thing's going to happen. Shouldn't it be the one of the questions that any principal asks a new staff member 
how many properties would be coming over. And if they say five, six, 10, 20, you don't employ them because if they leave, they're going to take well, them. That just shows a level of loyalty right there. And you're going to be yeah. losing all those properties when they move <laughs> on. So they're not really proper managements as such. Yeah. No. A couple of due diligence that come to mind for me. Number one, I was called in to do a, 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 a rent roll and the owner or the person looking at purchasing wasn't aware. It was actually a fully furnished rent roll. And so very quickly came out and said, you've got a completely different dynamic here. It's all furnished. Mm. You're dealing with students and all of the issues that come with fully furnished. And, and within five minutes of delivering my report, they made that decision that they weren't going to, uh, to take that on. And another um, rent roll due diligence that I did, we found out 25% of the properties currently had a for sale sign out the front with that particular business. So... Mm. I know it was so they're the sort of things that due diligence is very important to do to find those things out that become a massive problem later on. But yeah. you know, I'm surprised so the amount of people out there that don't do a due diligence. No. And they just won't. And so it's winging it. It's like getting a 20 year old car and not getting it checked out. Um, you know, all sorts of problems can happen. So, you know, people out there, go and get yourself a due diligence. Put that investment and time into getting a professional that knows what they're looking for. But anyway, let's move on. Um, let's now, okay, so you've done your due diligence. You've decided, Sophie, yeah, we're going we're gonna to buy that rent roll. You've done a deal uh, with the, the principal. You've signed the contract there. Now we're moving over. And, um, you know, what are some of the things now we've, we've agreed, we've done the contract, settlement date hasn't come yet. What are some of the things now that we need to be considering in that time gap that we've got to get right right now? The, um, probably the most critical one is the communication with the clients and how that is done. Um, so the way that I have done it, um, well, forever, um, is that the first correspondent actually goes from the seller of the rent roll, yeah. um, explaining that, you know, this is what's happening, this is who we're, um, who we're merging with, um, it'll all be fine, it'll be great, here are some of the benefits, here are some lots of things. Of confidence, lots of confidence. I remember Absolutely. we had a letter from us, letter from them in the same envelope, went out yep. at the same time. I would normally follow it up not long after with a letter from myself, introducing myself, referring back to the letter from the, the yep. vendor yep. Um, and, you know, just, just starting that communication, offering myself as a, as a um, you know, someone that they can call, they can email, they can talk to because um, I've studied up. Obviously, I'm doing spreadsheets all over the place for that sort of thing. So, you know, if someone gets on the phone, I straight away know their name, the address of the property that they look after um, and they've got spreadsheets there so you can sort of jump in and have a bit of a look at what's going on. Um, so that's probably one of the most important parts of it. Um, mm. Secondary to that would be um, the integration of the, all the information that's sitting in the system um, of the vendor or the seller at the moment and how that's going to get into your system. So are you going to be able to integrate that? So is it going to be a data transfer? Um, or if your system isn't able to do that, does it mean that someone's actually got to sit there and enter all of that data manually, um, which I have had to have my staff. I was going to say oh, I've done it. I haven't done it. My, my team's done it. In the past. You've outsourced that? Absolutely outsourced it. Or, or um, some of the data comes across, but there's still other stuff that has to be manually in absolutely. as well. It's yeah. quite messy, can't it? Very stressful. Yeah. Yep, you got to sit down and make sure that all the, 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 the critical points of data are in there. Um, and then on the day of settlement, um, just jump in and update all the, um, the paid to date so they're correct. 
um, and when the um, when the seller is finishing so that the day of settlement and everything is coming over, making sure that they're doing end of financial year statements um, because that way the, the clients will end up with two end of financial year statements in any year that there's a transition of ownership. Um, but you've got it there, you've got it ready to go. Yep. Um, scan all those into your system as well. So if, the ten, if anyone comes looking for them, you've got them and you can access them readily. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think working with the patterns, so for you and I had a discussion, but we're used to getting in contact and having access to those new owners before settlement. But I know yeah. there's other deals out there that they won't allow the purchaser, the, the company that's taking over to go anywhere near, talk to those owners until settlement. But at settlement or immediately after settlement, or in your case, before settlement, um, how how you know, how many owners should we have already spoken to or should be speaking to as soon as we can by phone? How quickly, other than letter and communication, yeah. that, that's yeah. an absolute given, that's essential, but how many people should we be speaking to and connecting by phone? Oh, as many as you can get a hold of. Um, yeah. it's, it's all about the... Um, to my mind, it's always been that I want the client to feel like they're involved in the process and they actually have a choice in it. Um, I don't want them to feel like it's it's something that's been done to them or is happening to them. Um, they feel like they've been um, complicit in all of this rather than it being pushed on them. Um, mm. So that communication piece um, is, is vitally important because you need them to know who you are. You need them to know that you're a real live human being. You're not just a nameless, faceless piece of paper, um, that you do care, that you are invested, um, you know, what your role is in the company, how long you've been there, what your experience level is. Now, if you need to, to push that out amongst the team, that's fine as well. Um, but the person, there should always be like a, a central point of contact who is very aware of everything that's going on. Um, so if the clients are getting a little bit frustrated, they can be pushed onto that person, which normally is myself, um, and I can have that conversation with them and really drill into what their concerns are um, and try and alleviate those straight away. If they're not gelling with the property manager that we've given them to, fantastic. Tell me that and I can move you to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've really got to treat this like new business as if you're chasing a brand new lead coming in the door, you know, uh, in transitioning. They've got to get that trust with you um, as well. And, you know, I'm all for picking up the phone rather than sending an email out. So yeah. um, it's always the best way. But, yeah, uh, there you go. Let's talk about issues. Now, how quickly do we need to be getting hold of the issues that we need to know now? And I, I always saw it as bushfires. You know, you're going to get big bushfires, little bushfires. You know, how quick, you know what, what sort of issues are, are you really want to be all over like white on rice right now? Um, if there's extremely high arrears issues or anything like that, um, if there's forthcoming uh, VCAT hearings because the owner wants possession, um, you need to be across those. Um, to make sure that the timing is done properly or you're across it if there's a, if there's a drama. Um, anything that really is, is of importance to the client is probably the thing that you need to grab hold of. So if you've got, if the other agency is telling you that the, you know, there's this particular client and they always want to make sure that they get all their rents in on the 15th of the month, you need to go back and make sure that you've got all that set up. So there's a, there is a lot of communication that needs to go on between the, the people that you're purchasing the rent roll from, um, drilling down into tiny little things like that because it's tiny little things like that um, that, you know, Mrs Smith always wants her statement on the 15th and she doesn't, you know, she won't come pick it up. We've got to deliver it to her. Okay, if you've got to deliver it to her, you've got to deliver it to her. Um, but if it means that we're going to hold on to Mrs Smith for the next 12 months, two years, 10 years, whatever it is, because um, it will be tiny things like that that will annoy people and they'll go, well, you don't know me at all. 
you can tell me that you're great at all of this technology stuff, but you don't know me and what I need. And so I'm going to go somewhere else where they do. Yeah. Yep, that, that's cool. And, and, you know, how do you deal with those owners that say, hey, we weren't given choice here or getting to know who those grumbling owners are? You know, you know help me through that one. They tend to come out of the woodwork pretty easily, to be honest. Um, the, the ones who will grumble, the ones that you probably need to worry about more are the ones who don't um, and they just kind of sit in the background, which is why that communication within the six months needs to, the first six months needs to actually be pretty strong, um, that you are going to have the opportunity to pick up on those things um, and really alerting the property managers to it as well. So as soon as, if they're having a conversation with Mrs Smith and she even sighs or you can hear her rolling her eyes on the phone, it's kind of like, you need to tell me that. I need to know because yeah. then I need to get on the phone to her and find out what's going on. Okay. okay. As a landlord myself, if, um, you know, the company had sold to another company, I'd be on the phone straight away. I'd be one of those bushfires I'd be creating. Yeah, you would. Yeah, absolutely. But it because to me, I never signed with the company because of the relationship I have with the property manager. I yeah. signed with the company because of the systems and procedures. A, because I helped put them together. So, um, you know, and I'm sure that's going to, you know, that's going to come. It's not just about relationship with the PM. It's about, well, what systems have you got? I signed with them because of, you know, you came to my house and I chose Jealous I chose, you know, ABC over Jealous Craig. So why mm. should I come to you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it, that you can't get away from the fact that property management and real estate overall is a relationship business. So you can mm. say as much as you like that we've got all this fabulous technology, um, you know, we've got all these things that we can do for you. We do our um, inspections on iPads and we can email them and all that sort of thing. At the end of the day, I don't think it really matters to a client whether they've got an email version of a routine inspection report or whether they've got um, a handwritten piece of paper that might even be done on, you know, that might have um, the stuff carbon paper attached to it. Oh, yeah. um, yep. As long as the information is there and they feel like the person who is giving them that information is actually really truly invested and really cares, um, that, that will win over mm. technology, in my belief, any day of the yeah. week. Yeah. Okay. So Sophie, let's continue on with this. Now we talked about staff when we're looking for a rent roll and things we've got to consider. We talked about the due diligence. Now we've got the staff. What yeah. are some of the issues that we really need to be looking out for and, and, you know, and, and making sure that those people are fitting? Um, Again, it's just about talking to them. It's about making sure that they're inducted properly, that they understand um, what the beliefs and the values of, of, um, of your company, you know, the company they've come into are. Um, I think people pay a lot of lip service to that and sometimes it's a bit of rhetoric, but um, I actually believe in it and I think that it's important that people get where you're going as a company, um, that the level of, of expectation you have around um, customer service, that you mm. get that each client actually, um, they're a human being as well as a dollar sign. Um, there's there's so much that needs to sit behind it for people to actually make the decision as to whether they want to come into the company or not. Um, no, I've heard plenty of times, our, our office, is, it, it, it is a beautiful office. I don't want you to come here because you think the office is beautiful. I want you to come here because you actually, um, you, you have found that your values are aligned with what we're trying to achieve as a company. Um, so I think that's having those conversations with people early on um, when they're joining the company, I think is incredibly important. Because okay, so they haven't had the choice. It's happened no. to them. They've been Correct. told that your job isn't with J 
John Smith Real Estate anymore. It's now with Jealous Craig. Off you go. But well, hang on a minute. No, what right, is this so you're in your three-month retention, for example. You've taken over the staff. They've come as part of the acquisition. But you can see that these people are not fitting. In fact, they don't really meet the level that you need them to be at. What are yeah. we doing now? What, 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 what sort of action are you taking? Well, I think if they're not fitting and they're not the right people, I don't think that there's any difference between you know someone that you've employed through seek or someone that you've employed through an acquisition um you've got to make that call that's that's the responsibility of the business owner to make sure that the people that are there actually fit in properly with the business um you're not doing the right thing by anybody i think if you try and hold on to things for too long um maybe it'll change maybe it'll change maybe it'll change and then you end up 12 months down the track and nothing's changed um so if the person who's come across has got a poor attitude or their um their levels of customer service don't live up to what yours are. Um, they're just generally disinterested or they're just not nice people. Um, I just don't think that, you, that they're the right fit and you want to move them on. Mm. Okay, let, let's uh, let's put one on the table, staff poaching properties. Oh, yeah. yeah and uh, what, what, are some, uh, what are some key <laughs> points around that, how you deal with that? Um, well, again, in Victoria, if they're not a director of the company, there's very little that you actually can do. Um, there's unless you can prove that they've actually taken documents from the company that, that um, have given them names, addresses, phone numbers, et cetera, um, I think you've, you've just got to really work hard to, to hold on to the clients and make it uncomfortable for the client to leave um, more so than the property manager being able to ring them up saying, hey, it's all you know, great and glorious over here um, or I've gone here and you should follow me. There's, there's going to be a certain percentage of clients who will do that, um, but overall, I think if this, if the, um, if the service continues and there is, is very little um, rough water between the changeover, I think you can actually you can hold on to the clients pretty successfully. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I reckon, Sophie, that was a really good session. Thank you so much. And then, right. any more questions before we wrap this up? No, I don't. It just um, continues to shine that, you know, Sophie's got a wealth of knowledge, as everyone, anyone watching can see. She wasn't reading any notes, just certainly speaking from experience. When you take on rent roll acquisition, certain things get burnt into your heart, mind, and soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean what, what really stood out to me is it's, it's, it's like new business. It's all about onboarding that client. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you, it's lots, like a take lots of communication. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, you, you want to win more business. You've got to sell the services of your, um, you know, your department and, and you still got to win them over to transition and sign with you. It's it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, just mm-hmm. doing it multiples at a time. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you've also still got to go and do the rent reviews, visit the properties, ascertain if you want the tenants. There's, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot that you've got to do just like if you're taking over one management with a tenant yep. already in place. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, so let, let's wrap this up, guys. But thank you so much, Sophie, for your wonderful depth and knowledge of expertise. I've been, uh, you know, ad- admired you as a, an expert for many, many years. And uh, just want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you very thank much, you. guys. Nice talking yeah. to you. Cool. Thanks, Sophie. All right. Take care.